0: Cambridge
1: 105 Radio. Hello, welcome to this week's From the Pavilion podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As ever, Ollie Slack with you, Nathan Johns 2. Evening, Nathan. How you doing?
2: Good evening, Ollie. How you doing? Just going through my customary scorecard check on Crink info for the day's championship matches.
1: Oi, Yeah, I was trying to keep tabs on it whilst in uh, Spain. Did I mention I went to one holiday? Did I mention that something? No,
2: I don't, no I don't think you
1: mentioned it, mate. <laughs> no, it was only, <laughs> only because it was... a. Uh, it was just so good, actually, to keep across why well, I it wasn't so good. Somerset got absolutely thrashed twice. But um, it was good to keep up with all of the county cricket on the YouTube streams or the streams on the various websites. They've been an absolute revelation the the past few years. It was um, brilliant to watch over, over the week's holiday. One of the games, which I'm sure you've been keeping a close eye on as a batsman, is the Runfest down at Hove. Sussex against Middlesex. Middlesex six hundred and seventy-six for five declared. Sussex replied of a hundred and three for naught in Middlesex's innings. Centuries for Stowman, double ton for Sam Robson, century for is it Robbie White? Yeah, it's Robbie White, eighty-eight for Martin Anderson as well. So it's a, a run fest. I I don't ever think those games are very intriguing, though, Nathan.
2: No, I know you don't. I guess the, the, the question to ask is: Would you rather watch that? Or would you rather watch twenty wickets in a few days rather than, you know, oh, nearly wow. Well, by the end of it, it probably will be over a thousand runs in just two innings. So mm. it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I know well. I know it's Middlesex's record first-class score, which is, means and that that record has stood since the nineteen twenties. So even with the fat track, you've still got to go out there and bat for that period of time. So. That's the only thing I would say, is that you can yeah. have the easiest conditions in the world, you still need to be good enough to make use of them.
1: True. All I'm saying is I'd much be rather watching a stream that's showing 20 wickets in two days that's gripping, low-scoring, exciting, than a, a boring you know, 700 runs for, for just five wickets.
2: There's more energy when co- wickets are constantly falling, isn't there, than rather when yeah. boundaries are just flowing from both ends relentlessly. So, yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, if you're going to have a one-sided game, you would rather... It'd be in favour of the bowlers, just from a pure spectacle point of view, I think. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. I think um so. but but equally like you just you don't want that
1: imbalance on either side, do you? No, you don't. Let's take the Warwickshire Hampshire game, which as we're recording this is closed day three off this evening. Warwickshire what do they do? They won the toss and decided to field. So Hampshire batted first, eighty nine all out, all out in twenty nine overs. Warwickshire batted 116 all out, all out in 46 overs. So that's 75 overs, 20 wickets. That's a day's play where 20 wickets have fallen. And you'd imagine probably the majority to seem, especially yeah, especially in the in the Warwickshire innings, five for Mohamed Abbas, five for Keith Barker. That would never be punished, would it? I mean, if that was five for Jack Leach and five for Don Best two years ago, I do not know probably being slightly biased here, but even if Simon Harmer took 10 wickets, (laughs) you are very capable of doing. There'd be more pressure on that pitch to get punished or talked about than a pitch when 20 wickets fall to seam. Well,
2: I think it's just because that's just the the given thing, isn't it? It seems in England. That's what everyone thinks. So nobody's going to bat their eyelids when when seamers are cleaning up. And I think, well, to be fair about this example you've given with Hanson Warwickshire, the deck must have flattened out because Hampshire got 322 in their their second innings and Warwickshire 139 for two chasing that down, you know, another 157. So I think in that game, you probably put it down to more just conditions on day one, maybe a bit of cloud cover, that type of thing. And maybe it's just flattened out with the sun on the pitch as, as the day has gone on. I don't know. But I, I do take your point that people react more when the spinners dominate than when the seamers dominate. I think that's fair enough.
1: I mean, India are touring England at the minute. The discussion of should we prepare spinning pitches only ever gets talked about when England lose in India in terms of in favour of spinning pitches. And then it always gets bashed down when it, teams like Somerset bowling sides out for, for very, very cheaply for, for next to nothing because Jack Leach or whoever has taken lots of wickets, it's an interesting one. but
2: You've just got to find a balance, don't they? at the end of the day? you know, Have your pitches in that seem in county cricket, have your pitches that spin, and you know, the best players will score runs everywhere. That's, mm. just, that's just how it works.
1: Yeah, no, there has got to be a balance and, and that balance would be greatly improved if there was a balance in the schedule as well in terms of Championship cricket played all throughout the, the season. Uh-huh. The, different conversation
2: for a different day. I think
1: I know where you're going with that one. As opposed to bookending it at the, the season. There's lots of branches off lots of different conversations in cricket. But it was a, a good show today actually. A good show, good show indeed. Nathan put it together all by himself. That sounded very patronising. I didn't mean that to be. But um, no, Nathan did a grand job this week, so thanks to Nathan for putting it together. Hopefully you enjoy it. If not, you know where he is on Twitter. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello, hello, good evening, and welcome along to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. My name is Ollie Slack, alongside me, as ever. Is my co-host Nathan Johns. Thanks for joining us. This is your local wrap of all things cricket in Cambridgeshire. On today's show, as ever, we'll take you through the main talking points of this week's East Anglian Premier League matches and the Camden Hunts Premier League Action 2. We hear from the various league winners as the season starts to slowly but surely come to an end. We're also into the end of our FTP Quiz Cup campaign almost, it's time for the semi-finals as City of Ely take on Eaton Soakin tonight We'll also hear from Darren D'Souza and Steve Mallon of Camborne and the MindEd Charity Trust respectively as we discuss the mental challenges and benefits of cricket Ben Hammersley is with us later on to chat about St Giles' 2s Junior League playoff final. He also has his big question too. So, welcome along to the show. If you want to contribute, please do. We always love it when you do so at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook. We're also live this week, so get in touch via the text 07919 70490 You can email studio at cambridge105.co.uk. Also, as I said, thanks for tuning in. And also if you're listening on the podcast, we are available on Apple, Spotify and the Cambridge 105 radio website. All that's left to do is introduce Mr Nathan Johns. Evening, Nathan. How are you doing? Evening, Ollie. I'm fantastic. Uh, Glad to have you back on these shores. (laughs) Yeah, it is, it is. I was... um, Pleasantly surprised when I uh, landed in the UK today. For those who missed last week's show, I've been on holiday the last week, although I was here last week. Deliberately planned, of course, the holiday to get back in time for the show. And it was a, a nice surprise to look out the window and see the sun shining across the British Isles, which it has been doing a lot in Spain as well.
2: Yeah, you told us about that weather high, 29. What's higher, here or over where you were in
1: Spain? Oh, oh, definitely. I, well, I don't want to brag, but it was, it was Spain. It was pretty hot, yeah. Is it-
2: is it, is it really, it's up 30 plus still in September, is
1: it? Yeah, yeah, I think, it. well, wow. it, it feels pretty much 30 plus any other time than about two or three months a year in Spain. It's, uh, it, was, it was very hot, yeah. And, um, yeah, you can always tell like, that when you walk across the sand. I mean, that's not a pleasant experience, is it? If you've like, left your flip-flops down on, the, mm. on your town, you've got to walk back across the beach. Anyway, first world problems for me, that is, if I'm moaning about the sand being too hot in Spain.
2: Just in the interest of always talking about weather, which we seem to do every time we open this show. A lot, yeah. Considering considering their weather,
1: why don't they play cricket in Spain? I don't know. We, I don't know.
2: We always moan about how we get so many games rained
1: off, and yet you've got countries like that. It just seems like mm. a waste. Uh, there was no one even on the beach playing with like a mini bat and ball or anything. Not even on the little shops across the beachfront where they really... No, they didn't sell a cricket bat. Um, you didn't
2: bring a plastic one with you in the suitcase? <laughs> no,
1: no. No, it wouldn't fit in my, my hand luggage the size of that I'd need to try and score some runs. So, um, <laughs> yeah, not possible. But well, what do you reckon the tracks would be like in Spain? Just hard and hard and fast, bouncy, yeah?
2: Yeah, and probably a bit dusty as well. All that sun, they'd bake and mm-hmm. crack and probably spin a bit,
1: yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. there is like, Is it La Manga Cricket Club in Spain? A few of that, the, yeah, the young England sides come out and train or something like that? There's two. There's La Manga and there's also
2: Desert Springs, just training facilities out there. All the counties go out there, don't they? pre-season for their warm weather we've actually got cambridge university have gone out there a few times mm. we're supposed mm. to go we were supposed to go out there in uh march 2020 but you can guess what happened there
1: oh oh yeah so what, that was
2: like that was the first casualty of
1: yeah <laughs> holi- that was the
2: first holiday casualty i should say oh, of uh of is, you know the sea, the see the sea pandemic
1: which, i was gonna say all right for some but it didn't manage to go but it would be great to um to play cricket abro- abroad, we often flirt with the idea well, at the end of the season. Maybe when we've had a few too many drinks, at our local cricket club about going on tours, and they never seem to materialise. But it would be good fun. Have you been on any cricket tours at all? No, I think when I was re- when I was in primary school over in in Ireland, I think we went on a weekend trip
2: to, to Hastings school, right? to play some cricket. Cricket there, there was there was a there was a link between the two PE teachers, but that's about it. Nowhere nowhere exotic to play cricket, sadly.
1: Didn't even play cricket at secondary school. alone primary school. Some you.
2: Oh, we, we we had an, we had an English PE teacher who indoctrinated us into, okay. into playing cricket. So, yeah, that was that well, turned out well.
1: Sounds fun. Sounds fun. Should we crack on with the quiz? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. We've got a uh, Tom Beaumont of City of Ely with us tonight, and Graham Duff of Eton Socon, as the two sides lock horns in the first semi-final of the FTP Quiz Cup. I'm uh, delighted to welcome both of them onto the show now. Tom, how are you doing? First of all,
3: yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks, Ollie. How about yourself? I guess you're still enjoying the uh, during the sun tan?
1: I am, yeah, I am, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to. It. I'm glad, so glad the weather the weather's good here, so I can tan my back. Spent all week tanning my front, and uh, glad I can I can even up the the
4: tan. Graham, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. A bit like yourself. I've just got back from holiday
1: oh, as well. So, uh, look at that. It's, uh, all right for some of us, isn't it?
4: Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. I've just got to hope Nathan hasn't got any cricket questions from last the last week or so, because so I won't
2: have a clue. Gary <laughs> makes a good point. Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. I think looking at the script here, I think most of them <laughs> are related to the last week, <laughs> uh, including can, the I, local question.
4: Uh, I can I can tell you what the weather's been like in Portugal for the last week. <laughs> but apart from that, I might be struggling. Surely
2: you kept up with the Test match at least? Uh,
4: uh, yes. Yeah. I okay. that might be. That might be about it.
2: You might be in business then.
1: All right, let's let, let's crack on then because Graham makes a good point. The show is entirely down to Nathan tonight. Anything goes wrong, just send him an email. Yeah, or I don't know if you've got any email address. Just tweet him. It's all his fault if anything goes wrong this evening. Anyway, let's crack on with the quiz. You all know how it works. Tom will be taking on Graham in a best of five contest. Each question will have six possible answers. The player going first will take a guess. If they're right, they get a point. <laughs> If they're wrong, play them passes across to their opponent Mm. and play them returns back to your opponent until one person eventually gets it right. To decide who's going first, you'll answer a separate question called the toss. Are we ready, chaps, for a place in the final? you on, then. So the toss is as follows. Ollie Pope notched his 10th 50-plus first-class score at the Oval last week during the India Test match, leaving his first-class average at his home ground at what? What do you reckon it is, Graham? One
4: hundred and
1: one. Give one hundred and one, Tom.
3: See, I'd say that's a pretty good, pretty good estimate. I'm, I think I saw something that said he was his batting average at the over was above Bradman, so I guess it's got to be over a hundred. So mm. I'll I'll go slightly higher than Graham and say one hundred and two.
1: It's, it's two very good guesses. You can see why you two made the semi-finals. It's ninety nine point four. So Graham, Graham takes the, the toss and, and gets the first question. You ready, Graham?
4: Yeah, yeah, let's go.
1: Cambridge University's Emma Jones was part of the successful South East Stars outfit that secured the inaugural Charlotte Edwards Cup on Sunday. Which team did the South East Stars beat in the final? Was it Western Storm, Northern Diamonds, Northwest Thunder, Central Sparks, the Sunrisers or Lightning?
4: Uh, Northern
1: Diamonds. You're going with Northern Diamonds for a point on the board. <laughs> Very well <laughs> I done. I definitely
4: didn't keep up with that, to be
1: honest. <laughs> Very well done, though. Point on the board nonetheless. Tom, over to you. India recently saw of England in that fourth Test match at the Oval. Now, in the series so far, the games in London have been won by the tourists. While England have avoided defeat away from the capital, where will the final Test match be played? Is it Cardiff, Sophia Gardens, Chesterle Street, Old Trafford, Edgebaston, the Edgious Bowl, or Bristol?
3: Well, I've got some tickets to it, so if I don't get this, oh. I'm going to be in completely, completely the wrong part of the country. Um, it's Old Trafford. <laughs>
1: I'm only joking (laughs) It is right It is right Tom is going I've got to head to Cardiff (laughs) That would be Absolutely tragic Anyway Question three Over to you Graham Ireland batter Paul Sterling Rose up the charts The top T20 International run scorers After hitting an unbeaten Century against Zimbabwe last week Which England legend Did he overtake To move up to Sixth In the rankings So the top T20 International run scorers Who did Paul Sterling overtake to go to sixth? Was it Kevin Peterson, Jason Roy, Paul Collingwood, Owen Morgan, Joss Butler or Michael Lum?
4: Uh, Morgan.
1: Two from two. Very good. Very good this is from both of you. Tom, bit of pressure on this one now. Question four. You ready? Yeah, go on then. England saw off New Zealand in the first T20 international of their series at Chelmsford. Who fell agonisingly short of a T20 hundred, getting dismissed for 97 in the 20th over? Was it Danny Wyatt, Tammy Beaumont, Nat Siver, Sophia Dunkley, Amy Jones or Heather Knight?
3: I feel like I'm cheating slightly again because I think it's my namesake. I think it was Tammy Beaumont.
1: I thought you were going to say you went to the match and then... No, I didn't go to the match.
2: <laughs> Having the same name doesn't count as cheating, does it?
1: <laughs> Let's find out. It's correct. It's two all. And this is why the toss was so, so important because question five is for you, Graham. to win it. you ready?
4: Uh, Yep, yep.
1: Which local side just missed out on promotion to Division 1 of the and Hunt's Premier Leagues after being upset by the league's bottom side on the final day of the season. So we're talking about Div 2 here, missing out on yep. promotion to Div 1. Was it Blunham, yep. Old Leesians, yep. Newmarket, Castor and Ellsworth, Saffron Walden, or, thanks for putting this one in, Nathan, Bluntisham?
4: I think, I don't want to get this wrong or anything, but I think it's our maybe one of our rivals. I think it's Blunham.
1: You're going with Blunham to secure a spot yeah, in Blunham. the final of the FTP Quiz Cup. Is he right? he is an absolutely flawless performance from both of you and I feel very very harsh to say this but Tom unfortunately you fell at the last hurdle
3: yeah indeed N- not a lot I could have done there to be honest <laughs> no. I, was, I was what just, just, just a couple of runs out on the toss question and then yeah Graham didn't put a foot wrong
1: good standard um, but
3: yeah I wish him the best of luck for the final. I think whoever's going up against him is going to have a pretty tough, tough effort, especially if he's in the country for that week. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cheers, that's, Tom. It's a good point, <laughs> Graham. Congratulations, mate. Cheers. Thank you. How do you feel?
4: Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good. I think I, I think I fluked one of the other rounds with guessing all three answers, but uh, I think I know all five of those ones, which is quite like apart from the first one. I did guess the first one.
1: Well done, well done. Very, very good indeed. You defeat Foxton, Wisbeach and now City of Ely on your way to the final. You will either play Sourcing of Abraham or Needingworth and you'll find out next week. Graham Tom, thanks for your time this evening. Really appreciate it, guys.
4: No Cheers, worries. thanks very much. Have a good show, thanks. guys.
1: Tom Beaumont from City of Ely there and Graham Duff of Eaton Soak, and it is Graham who has secured his spot in the FTP Quiz Cup final. That was good, wasn't it, Nathan?
2: Yeah, I don't quite know how what how to feel there. I was really proud of my questions. I thought there was a co- couple of tricky ones in there, and they've got every single one right. But has that happened this season? I don't
1: think it has. I don't know. Well, you—it's like it's like producing an absolute belter of a wicket for a T20 game. It's a little bit unfair on the bowlers, I guess. But it—it was a good show. It was good to listen to. I imagine. Well, maybe not. But it was. I enjoyed it. it, it produced a close close contest. No, it's good. Good. So, Graham, have eaten soak through to the quiz final. Up next, after the break, we'll be hearing from Darren D'Souza of Camborne and Steve Mallon from the MindEd Trust.
5: Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105
2: Radio. Welcome back to From the Pavilion. Now, earlier on this summer, Ollie spoke to Darren D'Souza and Philip Broadwith of Camborne Cricket Club about their partnership with the mental health charity MindEd. They are running an event at the time in conjunction with Minded that's centred on youth mental health and cricket. And I know since then, they have partnered with the charity to have its name on their playing tops, on the sleeves, so I believe. Now, since then, Camboard have gone on to win CCA Senior 1, ensuring their promotion into the Camps and Hunt's Premier Leagues. We decided to get Darren back on then to talk more specifically this time about the mental challenges and, of course, positives of playing cricket itself, especially since he had just played his part in what must have been a very mentally uplifting and successful team environment. As well as Darren, we also invited along Steve Mallon, the chairman of the charity that is linked to and to tell us all about the work that he and his organisation does, as well as to give us some insight into the mental health effects of cricket as he sees it, given his work elsewhere. But first, of course, it's been a pretty good season so far for the Cambridgeshire Club.
5: Across the city and South Cambridgeshire.
0: Cambridge 105 Radio.
5: Absolutely. I mean, coming out of last year, we, we did a lot of inter-club matches last year when there wasn't any formal cricket range. And we really saw that made a huge difference to people's mental health because people were sort of shell-shocked at the prospect of having no cricket for an entire summer and by being able to arrange friendlies at the end of last season it really brought everyone closer together and it, it showed people that we are still here as a club as a support network for everyone to be able to come play cricket and to talk to each other and that's really carried, up, carried on into this year so the mood going into this year despite the ongoing, ongoing pandemic was uh, was quite high actually when, when we returned to nets. In late April and in May, um, to our first games, to see, for example, last weekend we had a match where our adult team played the under-15s in a in a really really well spirited game of cricket, and it was unable to see the progress that these youngsters have made. You know, with a coach who's been with them for three years playing against them, and they got him out second ball clean bowled, which he wasn't too happy about. But the game was played in very good spirits, and the, and even though the end of the season has come quicker than we could have expected, everyone was really happy with how it's gone. And we'll you know, say the back of it.
2: But talk to me a little bit then about the effect of being a successful club though would have on that. Because in my own experience, you talked about somebody getting out a second ball there. When I get out second ball and I'm part of a team that's winning,
5: I don't care. it's not going to ruin my day. Well, it's funny you should say that because actually, whilst our first team's been promoted, it was a particularly difficult year actually for our second team, who we are in senior two the division below. They went on a, on a big losing run, actually, and were looking at danger of going going down. However, at the end of the season, they picked up four wins on the bounce to stay up. And it was clear, you know, the difference between the first and second team, the morale and, you know, the players, how they felt after each game, every weekend coming back to the clubhouse and sharing how the match had gone. You could, you could see the difference, but after, you know, maybe an hour or so of going through the match and seeing, you know, so, oh, the first team have won. Brilliant, they bowled out this team cheaply, whereas the second team, you know, had fallen short after about an hour or so being in a group setting that sort of melts away and you sort of realise you're, you're still part of one club. I'm keen to bring in Steve here because that that
2: point as well about kind of separating things and on and off field is something I want to get into. But well, quickly before we do, Steve, why don't you just get on on the recording, What if, you know, tell us about MindEd and MindEd's link to Camborne, essentially.
6: Yes, of course. Um well, uh, I established the MindEd Trust um, six years ago, or shortly after uh, my son died, who tragically um, took his own life, um, you know, following uh, following mental illness. And uh, it's a very well-reported story, and, and people in our community and in the region are very well aware of it, so I won't go into the detail there. Um, but Edward was 18 when he died, and he was very accomplished and and very capable young man. But one of his passions was cricket. Uh, that was his sport of sport of choice. He was better as a bowler perhaps than when he was in the crease, that was his sort of preference as it were. But um, I spent many, uh, you know, a, a summer's afternoon, as many fathers do, uh, you know, watching my lad when he was young and as a teenager, playing in the local team and, you know, playing for the school and various other things. And of course, cricket is one of those sports that has that long tradition, that great heritage, that that uh, prestige, as it were. That And uh, as a father, you're always proud to see your son progressing in a sport such as that. And obviously, we've just heard from Darren uh, you know, and for the listeners, as it were, Aaron and Edward were good friends when they were at school together. Uh, and unfortunately of course my son is no longer with us but of course our passion for cricket remains the importance of sport remains um, the mind Ed trust is a charity which is specifically orientated to supporting uh, young people um, who may be experiencing psychological um, disorder and mental health trauma and we work specifically and and primarily with uh, with schools primary schools secondary schools higher education establishments and so on to fund mental health literacy programs to improve resilience to put money into things like art and sport and also most importantly of course to provide care and treatment for people that may be experiencing difficulty. And before
2: before the call we were chatting a bit about how this has gone on from a local thing to you've gone on and done a lot more work nationally and I won't, I won't get you to, to, to give me detailed explanations of, of all the different work you do because you'd, be you'd be there for a long time but so you've obviously you've done a lot of work away from Tamborn as well and away from cricket, but I'm curious having both being, as you say, a big cricket fan and had that family connection and then gone on and worked in other areas with schools, et cetera, in the area that you work at, you know, what's, what type of benefits do you see from cricket itself as a sport individually? And also, you know, what sort of challenges does does the sport bring?
6: You know, I'm a little bit older and I sort of remember the older days of cricket when one might have said it was something of a slightly elitist sport. Um, It wasn't necessarily, you know, for everybody and there was a lot of public school interest and and activity and so on. And what we've seen recently with cricket is is, is two things. A is the democratisation of cricket. And we've seen lots of new formats come forward now, the 2020, the 100, which is on television and so on. And that's appealing to a much wider audience. So cricket itself has become a much more popular sport. It's become a much more participatory sport and a much more inclusive sport. And what's also encouraging in recent years, when you look at the ECB and so on and so forth, and lots of other cricket organizations, is that a lot of effort has been gone in, has gone into nurturing the next generation and particularly particularly focused on younger people. And that's where in some ways people often criticize sport because it has been franchised, um, a lot of more money has come into the sport and so on. But a lot of that money has found its way into the grassroots level, supporting clubs like Camborne, supporting clubs up and down the country, so that we see more and more young people that are actually joining the sport now. So you've got these different dynamics here. On the one hand, we've all realized the importance of sport getting outside, participating, enjoying the team activity. But the sport itself has been democratised and so is of well, a much wider appeal. And at the same time, there's more money coming into the sport, which has also extended the age range and the participation. And we can see that very much in the success of clubs like Campbell, who are riding on the back of that strong community interest across all age groups and so on and so forth. Clearly a good thing. There have been historically quite a lot of significant issues in uh, relating to mental health in in cricket and there are a number of you know famous players that have come forward and spoken very openly about that
2: it's the sport that dominates your time so if you give up your entire weekend essentially in some cases if you're playing two teams to play in a sport and it's and it's not going well and there are other things as well outside of that that are not going well it's you might have noticed darren that it's just it's very easy to get caught up in this circular way of looking at things where if something goes wrong on the cricket pitch, it can go wrong for an entire day and it's slightly more difficult to get away from.
5: Absolutely. I think cricket is one of those sports that by its very nature only you can be a casual follower of or a casual player of. I think once you play it, you're obsessed with it, you know, everything about it, the stats, numbers, it's quirks, it's intricacies and I do feel you I feel I think you're bang on there. I think I, I play, for example, Saturday and Sunday, both teams. If you are someone who plays Perhaps once or twice a week, it takes up a lot of your time. It's a very big commitment, especially for example, family. It's not going well. It plays on your mind. You know, you see that in the field sometimes when when you've had a bad spell, you got taken off after you've had a bowl. You know, chances come to you and you drop them. You're not you're, you're not thinking right. But in this, you know, the other side of that coin is it could be a very good place. The cricket pitch can be a very good place to clear your mind when you're in the field. you do not don't think about anything else but what's going on in front of you. I think maybe it's more pronounced, for example, because of the team sport aspect and the fact that, you know, for example, if you're an opening batsman who gets out very early on, you have to sit through the rest of the innings and sit and watch. And you have lots of time to do nothing else but reflect on it. You have no choice.
6: Yeah, I was just going to add to that because let's think, you know, let's think about cricket and let's think about sport. Why is it of value? What qualities does cricket teach us and why are they valuable? It teaches us skill, but it also obviously teaches us a team dynamic. One of the great things about cricket, in contrast with some other sports, is that it doesn't, whilst we have prominent characters and and super innings and prominent prominent stars, it is always, by definition, a team sport. It's 11 players. But also what the sport like cricket teaches us is that no matter how skilled you are or how brilliant your pedigree is, you can always have a bad day. And life is like that. So I think cricket... And sport in general is actually very beneficial for teaching us resilience and patience and that life isn't always perfect. And I don't mean to denigrate other sports, because I think all sports, for the most part, are generally, you know, extremely healthy. But there are a lot of qualities in cricket that play very, very well into the challenges which society presently faces, in my view. I'm
2: really interested by you bringing up the point about, you know, repetition and practice, etc., because I, I recently spent a bit of time in a, in a high-performance cricket environment working there, and I was really surprised by how well, and there was a side that was losing a lot, and I was very surprised by how well they dealt with losing. Um, and you know, 10, 15 minutes after the game, you wouldn't know that you were in a losing change room. Um, and to me, the conclusion I came was these guys play so much cricket, and county cricket these days, the schedule is so packed. You know, these guys were winning and losing every day they are so used to it. So they they don't ride the, the waves that we might do because they just do it a lot more. It's every day for them. It made me think about club cricket and maybe because simply by the virtue of the fact we don't play as much cricket and we don't win as, and lose as much, Darren, maybe at club cricket are we just not as good at separating things out and and making sure for want of a better phrase we don't take cricket home with us?
5: I think that's a very good point. Yes, by very nature we play once a week for example and you can say it doesn't happen but it doesn't you know you get a great win the rest of the week you know you're, you're buzzing off that and you come back both into the next game really keen really excited but if you have a, a bad loss little one that's tough to take you do take that into the next game and that might perhaps shape your mentality a bit
2: more maybe it's not a helpful comparison to make between pro cricket and club cricket but more generally speaking Steve I mean how how do you focus it's, there's probably no right one right answer to this but apart from just doing it plenty of times and experiencing success and failure, plenty of opportunities, you know, how, how can people equip themselves, maybe both in cricket and sport and outside of life as well, to be able to compartmentalise and, and you know, and take the highs and lows and be able to separate them out as what they are and, and not let them affect them, you know, too positively or too negatively either way.
6: Well, I mean, I think one of the things is that there, there, there's a difficult dynamic in some ways, because in order to be at the very top of your sport, You need to have absolute focus and concentration. But as anyone will tell you, as in any career and in any success, it should not necessarily take over your life. You know, you're not defined by your last cricket match. And Darren, going into next season, as you try and replicate success, how
2: do you ensure that the positivity that people get from playing cricket stays there, even if you don't have the same levels of success that you might have had done this year?
5: I think by the virtue of the fact that we're a growing club a quite a large club we have four senior teams um, with varying aims and objectives there's a place for everyone regardless of what standard cricket they want to play and how interesting they want to take it for example if they want to play first team cricket, cricket and play white in league cricket and play competitively every week they can if they want to play fourth team cricket in, in junior five and play more socially they absolutely can I think going to next year we're building off the fact that this year we've had successfully on and off the pitch for example Yes, we've won on the pitch, but much more than that, I think our partnership with the Mind Dead Trust has made such a big difference. It's our sleeve sponsor. We've got a brand new kit courtesy of our main shirt sponsor at BMW, Barrett's Cambridge. So we have the Mind Dead logo on our shirt every match day, and we have done for the last few months, and we will do for the next two years. And it's amazing to see how that galvanizes people as they walk onto the pitch with a shared identity, and, and they can look down and see that they're representing something quite beautiful on this shirt. And... Going into next season, we can see that we've got more of an identity as a club because of this. And I think we're really proud of being able to represent a charity on the pitch as well. So regardless of if if success is coming or if it isn't, we are are still working towards a common goal off the pitch for better mental well-being and um, a more open dialogue on the sport. I think that our players recognise this and will know that, yes, success on the pitch is not the be-all and end-all. It's wonderful if it happens, but equally the club will always be them be there for them if it doesn't. And I think there's no, you know, common Cricket Club safe space for them. Come and play the cricket, enjoy the cricket, and success will come if it does. Brilliant. If not, that's fine. We're still here. We'll still pick each other up, dust each other off, and go again next week.
1: Yeah, really great chat that with both Darren De and Steve Mallon, led by nathan earlier on this week and of course it's always always worth reminding people that whatever you're going through a samaritan will be able to face it with you as they're there for that call 24 hours a day 365 days a year you can call them for free on 116 123 from the pavilion on cambridge 105 radio Yep, yeah, it's time to move on and wrap up the local game, and there is no better place to start than in the Men's East Anglian Premier League. That is because Sauson and Babraham have been crowned champions for the first time in their history. Congrats to them. They did need just 15 points from the final two games of the season to secure the title heading into this weekend's action, and a hundred and forty run victory away to their challenges really throughout the campaign. Great Witchingham ensured that they got home with a game to spare. Waxer Sane scored an unbeaten 106 as the Rams posted 250 for 8 in the first innings, a target they defended pretty easily with Great witching and bowled out for just 110. Callum Guest was the pick of the bowlers for Saucen and Boebraham, 3 for 17. He also took the winning wicket as well. One of the other bowlers, probably the standout of the season in Saucen and Boebraham colours. Mark Smith joins me on the line now. Mark, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. How are you doing?
7: Very well, mate.
1: Yourself? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, Frank. You're just looking through your stats here. 36 wickets in the league, the highest average, or sorry, the lowest average, <laughs> I should say, of uh, yeah. of any bowler on the top five wicket takers. You've done it. How, how did that feel on the weekend? A, a cracking win for you boys and a cracking season.
7: Yeah, it's still quite unbelievable, really, to soak it in. I mean, it was just a long season. It was a hard season, and to get there over the line, or game left to go was brilliant for all the boys and a great achievement for the club
1: hard to take it all in because we're perhaps still recovering from celebrations that went long into the night on saturday evening
7: yeah definitely and then a few of us had tickets for a festival on the sunday so that carried on over there as well so yeah (laughs) big few days for the boys
1: But, but completely deserved because this is a rise not just this season that's been Happening over over many many years. Of course, last year was sort of your debut season in the in the league, albeit bit with the the COVID Cup. This year, first proper year, if you like. But of course, before that, coming up from the the Cams and Hunts Div One, winning the playoff, it, it's been a a long journey. There's a number of promotions over a number of years that has led to this point.
7: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, for the half season, it was nice to go in there and sort of have a have a taste of the league and sort of learn from that. And I think as a squad, we've done that. And oh I'm speechless really of all the boys, it's such a great achievement and all the hard work that the lads have put in is
1: finally starting to show. Yeah, you do seem a really a really close bunch as well.
7: We are, yeah. I mean, a lot of the lads have been around well two of us have been there for quite a long time, so me and Haggy have been over there sorcering now for ten years. But a few of the lads came from Shelford who have now been involved with the club four or five years now and they've sort of built they've sort of helped us develop a team really and pushed us on. Was he achieved success?
1: Did you ever, did you ever really expect or or think that you could do it when, whether it be the players come over from Shelford or or you gain promotion from the the Cambridgeshire Div One? Was there any point you really thought you know this this is achievable to go on and win the East Anglian Premier League? No,
7: not really, to be honest.
1: No. <laughs> um, I love your honesty, Mark.
7: Yeah, no, definitely. Well, none of us have had any experience in the Prem, so no one so we knew what we were expecting, and uh, so we uh, cleared through Division One. So we thought, all right, okay, And then with that trial season, we thought, all right, we need to improve it, you know, to help us progress better for next year. That's the way they have done it, really.
1: Yeah, it really has been a fantastic campaign. Personally for yourself, delighted to contribute each week as well. Fourth highest wicket taker in the league.
7: Yeah, I mean, on a personal note, that was my aim, really. I wanted to aim for 30 to 40 wickets in the season. and To get that, I'm chuffed and over the moon. But obviously, it doesn't stop there. We've got to retain it next year and develop our games even
1: better. Surely, surely you've got a game to go, and then after that, surely you've got an even bigger celebration, a bigger night planned, eh?
7: Yeah, yeah definitely. Because um, we've had a great evening. We're out in Norwich after that, so it'd be nice to go back to the club after. Well, we're playing at home Saturday, so it'd be nice to lift the trophy there with all the rest of the club and the supporters and really celebrate with everyone at the club. Because, well, the twos and the threes won their league, so they'll all be up there celebrating their title success as well.
1: Yeah, it's been a pretty good year, pretty good few years for the club. Mark, thanks so much for your time yes, this evening, yeah. mate. Really appreciate no worries, it.
7: No mate. Cheers. Thank
1: you. Mark Smith there, Sawson of Abraham's well, main bowler he's been fantastic this season. He said thirty six wickets in this campaign, average of seventeen point seventeen. So a very good season for Mark, very good season for Sauson. And Babraham, indeed, will be chatting to Dan Heath in a couple of weeks as well, their skipper, when we round up the, the whole season in Cambridgeshire. Elsewhere, Cambridge took home the spoils in their local derby with and Exning, winning at home by 134 runs. Not for the first time this season. Shock horror, Dominda Ranawira stole the show with a bat, scoring 117, as Cambridge posted 268-7. for Skipper Lewis Hill chipping in with 51 as well. In reply, he'll continued his good form, great form in fact, with the ball, taking six for thirty eight off nine point one overs, as Burletzing were skittled for one hundred and thirty four. Talking about top wicket takers in the division, Lewis Hill top of the pile in the East Anglian Premier League, 47 wickets for him at an average of 18. So he's been in inspired form this campaign. Saffron Walden also secured victory away from home in their match against Swordston. It was a tight one, they won by 16 runs. 180 all out proved to be enough for Ben Harris's side. It was the skipper himself who propped up that innings with 45 while Jack Ormsby stole the headlines with the ball, taking 5 for 20 as Swarston were knocked over for 164. With Swarston and Abraham crowned champions then, local focus turns largely to Beryl and Exning who are in a scrap to avoid that bottom spot. They currently occupy it and are 11 points back of Horsford. Safford remaining remain in 7th following their win, 15 points behind Cambridge who also stay as they were in 6th. Next week, Sorcerer and Bayram finish off their title-winning campaign at home to Copdock and Oviditzwichian. Walden are at home against Bury St Edmonds. Cambridge travel to Frinton-on-Sea, whilst Berlaxing lexing hosts Great Witchingham. Moving on then to and Hunts and Histon are Division 1 champions.
2: We, of course, previewed the playoff final between Histon and Eaton Soken last week. And if you remember, Ed Hyde did say that it was going to be a big challenge for Histon playing away from home. At Soken, well, obviously not as much of a challenge as you would have thought. As Histon elected to field first, and they bowled out the side that did finish top of the league for 162. Kieran McKenzie was the pick of the attack with 546. While, as he has been so often this season, Johnny Carpenter was in the runs for Eaton Soken with 72. The chase was a touch nervy for Histon. They were reduced to 50 for three at one point. But a gritty knock of 60 off 149 from, said Ed Hyde. Ensured that his side got over the line. He did get out with just four further runs required. And I asked him, was his overriding feeling one of frustration at failing to be there at the end? Or just relief to have secured the title?
8: I think the latter, I think, um, just to get over the line was was the main thing. Henry Wilson was was still in at the end. He was 34, not out. Um, so yeah, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't too disappointed to get out, to be honest. It taught me through your innings. Uh, I have on the scorecard here, 60 off
2: 149 balls. Safe to say a bit of a gritty knock?
8: Yeah, yeah, probably. The pitch, it was, it was a it was a pretty good pitch um at Eaton Socon, Um, but there was quite a lot in it for the bowlers. There's a bit of variable bounce. Some were keeping low, some were were, were shooting um and then some were coming past your helmet. So it, it was quite tested. So we um we had a chat before beforehand, and the plan was for me just to try and stay there and bat throughout the innings, um, and let other more, more attacking batsmen back round me and try and accelerate the the scorecard. And when you were on last week, you spoke about how difficult it is to go to Eaton Soak and you said you guys have struggled there a lot this
2: season. So how how pleasing was it first of all to to go there when it matters and get the result? And also what did you change in your approach maybe to playing away from home at that ground that led to more success?
8: Yeah, it was really pleasing because I think as you said, we've struggled we've struggled at Eaton Sokan before and we've also struggled at other grounds in the league where the pitch isn't as fast as it is at, at Histon. So we 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 had to think about it in the week and discuss it at the training. So we'd we'd learn I think it was the most pleasing but obviously apart from winning the match was the fact that we you know we'd learned from our past sort of visits to Eaton Soken and to other grounds around the league and then yeah and just use those experiences to to give ourselves a better chance of winning this match. You taught me through the first innings. You obviously had a very good view of it behind the stumps
2: pulled Eton Sokan out for 162 in the 46th over. Pretty good effort all around with, with the
8: ball. Yeah, we were really pleased with that. You know, Johnny Johnny Carpenter's the 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 wicket to get. Really he scored a lot of runs. Um and he anchors their innings and then, you know, really accelerates towards the end. And he scored a lot of runs this season. So once once we got him out, it became a lot easier. I think when we took the final sort of six or seven wickets for less than ten or fifteen runs. So yeah, that that was really pleasing. But I think it was a good all-round bowling effort. We bowled really tightly at the start with with Sean Stevenson and um We held on to our catches, and then once we once we sort of got an opening, having got their their main from out, we were pretty ruthless. Um, and we have struggled with that at times this season, where we haven't probably finished teams off as quickly as as we would have liked. So um, I think Kieran McKenzie finished with with five wickets. He bowled really well at the end there really good point you make because quite a lot of Kieran's wickets
2: I think the last three he got were the lower order so he, he was obviously quite ruthless in, in finishing that off and then talk to me about the aftermath good night celebrations afterwards
8: yeah yeah it was uh, was a really good night we um, we stayed behind at, at Eastern Socom for quite a while and and had a few drinks and we all both teams sat together on the outfield afterwards in a big circle and just just chatted about the game and the season and 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 cricket, really, it was it was a really nice way to to finish the day in the season. Two teams who you know gone pretty hard at each other.
2: Yes, you you guys certainly have gone hard at each other all season. It's been you two flip flopping at the top for for much of the campaign. Last time you were on, Ollie asked you about next season and what the club's plans were. Are you any clearer? Are you able to come off the fence about whether you're you're up for that that playoff to go up or not?
8: Yeah, um, so we are. We decided not to um, go into the to the playoff and not to compete for the the spot in the in the East Anglian League uh, for a variety of reasons. But yeah, so Eton Socon, uh, I think, will be playing in that playoff against the team from Essex or Suffolk in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so yeah, we wish them we wish them all the best best for that because um, you know they're a great club and um, it'd be nice to see them playing that league. It means we wouldn't have to play them. Played of that show, which, which should be nice. I was Ed
2: Hyde there. And just to confirm, Histon are Division One champions, even though they finished second. Of course, that was thanks to the playoff system. Time for Division Two now. And there's quite a dramatic and definitely complicated end of the campaign here to tell you about. Everybody in the league before this weekend had fulfilled all their fixtures apart from Blunham and Foxton. So that meant with just one game left on the last weekend. Leesians were top and they were joint on points with Newmarket. Of course, remember that the top two get promoted, but lesions were top by virtue of losing fewer games than Newmarket. So Blunheim went into that final fixture knowing that a win would definitely secure them the league title and, of course, promotion. And, of course, then there was Foxton who were down at the bottom and they needed nine points from that game with Blunham to stay up. And with all that in mind... They posted two hundred and ninety-one for five batting first, thanks mainly to Adam Webster's one hundred and eleven. And in reply, they managed to skittle Blunham for one hundred and seventy-three, securing an one hundred and eighteen-run victory. So that result means that Leesians stay where they are and are now crowned champions. And they are joined in being promoted by Newmarket, who finished level on points. Blunham finished down in third, just. Four points off what it would have been. Probably a deserved title, given how they've dominated this league all season. Well, Foxton climb off the bottom all the way into seventh. So like we said there, Newmarket earned promotion by the skin of their teeth. And Ollie caught up with their skipper, Mark Nunn.
9: We're absolutely delighted, um, to be honest, all the hard work we've we've put in, um, both behind the scenes and and on the pitch. uh, I think it's a just reward for for the effort. We're, We're delighted to be up.
1: And obviously a weird situation that you weren't playing on Saturday, but you were keeping a very close eye on the game between Foxton and And Were you nervously sort of refreshing your phone? Was there play cricket keeping the score up to date live? How were you following it?
9: Well, I was actually playing in like a charity day in Essex, actually, at another club um, with one of my friends. So I didn't really have a chance to, to look at it, but I think a few, few of the lads sort of kept, uh, kept an eye on it. So they, they were pretty pleased when, uh, when, the, when the result came in uh, in our favour.
1: Come on, be honest. Did you did you honestly think that you would uh, manage to to seal promotion? I mean, Foxton being bottom, Blundell being where they were, you probably expected a Blundell win, didn't you?
9: Yeah, we did, of course. I mean, I, I felt like you know we'd done all we can um, in the build-up and sort of the weeks before. We won the last two games, which is which is all we can do. So we put ourselves in with a in with the chance, and then it was up to sort of the last game. And I guess you I guess you put it down as like sort of the cricket in gods. Let them sort of play, really, and <laughs> happened to be a, a win for Foxton. Um, so it is what it is, really.
1: Yeah, the table table doesn't lie, does it, Mark, at the end of the season? But the club was reformed in October 2020, I believe. Just that short turnaround, what, in just under 12 months, to start off in Division 2, build a side together, and obviously we spoke over, over the last year about the process of sort of resetting the club, if you like, getting it back to to where it was and now being in division one that's probably exactly where you want to be. You must be really pleased with how the last just under twelve months has gone.
9: Yeah, it's, it's been amazing to be honest. I mean just to just to think where you were where we were sort of setting up a club and, and sort of having four players at Christmas to be able to sort of create a, a, a sort of a structure and a marketing campaign in order to sort of attract players to the club and and build some numbers from that. It sort of gained momentum as we've got closer to the season and then you know to start how we started, where we started throughout the season and kept that sort of maintain that level of, of of sort of skill and commitment throughout the season, it, it sort of kept us in with a shout. We've been, I think, we've been second for the majority of the season, so it's not like we've not deserved this. We, we've been up there, we have played some really good cricket, so you know we're delighted, you know, how it's finished. And uh, I think it's like I said before, it's just a just reward for for the efforts, to be honest.
1: The nature of sport means that it turns to next season pretty quickly, but we were able to celebrate on the weekend.
9: Yeah, I mean there was a few, um, there was a few sort of bottles of wine and champagne <laughs> sunk. Um, we weren't all together, unfortunately. There's only sort of pockets of people together, but we are uh, in the process of arranging an end of season event, so um, I'm sure that'll be a slightly messy occasion. <laughs>
1: yeah, look forward to that. Lastly, though, I bet you just can't wait to get going again next season now and attacking Division One.
9: Yeah, definitely, it's going to be a new challenge. Um, so it's one we're going to have to sort of plan and, and focus on because obviously the, the quality of opposition is going to go up. Um, so, you know, it's something we've got to be prepared for, but it's an exciting challenge. I think everybody's uh, ready to go. Just to
1: quickly wrap up the Women's East Angling Premier League then in other matches. And it was a good weekend for Triplo as they returned to the summit of the table following two positive results. First of all, 153-round win over Woolpit. After batting first and posting 231 with Sarisha Garantla, top scoring there with 55, Triplo then bowled out their visitors for just 78. So a very convincing win for Triplo ladies on Saturday then on Sunday this was followed up by a win by default after Easton conceded meaning that Triplo are now top of the table once again played 11 on 239 points they're what 32 points clear of Melton St Audrey who are second with a game in hand though Cambridge 105 Radio From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio yeah, welcome back to From the Pavilion. We're on air till 7 o'clock this evening, just 10 minutes left of tonight's show. Ollie Slack and Nathan Johns with you. Make sure to download the podcast if you missed any of tonight's show. Apple, Spotify or the Cambridge 105 radio website, the places to find it. Now we're going to chat about the Junior League, CCA Junior League Championship Playoff Final. Now it's between Rickling Rambus. Of the, uh, of the Junior League One South Division and Cameron St Giles of the Junior League One North Division. Both sides finish top of their respective leagues and they'll go head-to-head in the contest to decide who is the best side. And the, the Junior Leagues, of course, already secured their promotion into senior cricket for next season. Ben Hammersley of St Giles 2's joins me now. Ben, thanks for coming on the show, mate. How are you doing? He's he's on Zoom and he just needs to unmute himself.
0: Are you there, Ben? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, how are you?
1: Yeah, good, thank you. Good, thanks. <laughs> Let's talk about this weekend then. Always great to be playing in a final. Always good to be playing for some some silverware as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been a really good season for us. So, like, it's really nice to win the league and, and go up and hopefully, yeah, we can beat Rickling next week.
1: And your path to the final has been has been, as you'd imagine finishing top of the league and getting to the final. Pretty good. It's been, a, as you said, a very good season. 304 points from 18 games, six clear of of Maddingly in second and, and only lost the two games so far. So it's been a really dominant campaign.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't always straight shooting. I think we lost, like, two out of our first four games. So I think we had to, like, restructure a bit. But, like, Seb, the captain's done a really good job of doing that. And, like, yeah, we've had some really good youth coming up and, like, joining the team as well. They've done some really good contributions this year as well, which has been really nice to see. So, um, but, yeah, like, since that sort of uh, early season, it's just been, like, a straight winning every week, which is exactly
2: what you want to be a part of. All right, Ben, you mentioned skipper there. Is your brother Seb still skipper?
0: He's, yeah, it's my brother, yeah, yeah, he's captaining it. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's not around tonight, but, like, yeah,
2: he's captaining it. What's that like, then, playing a successful side, then, with your brother?
0: Yeah, 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 no, no, he's done, he's done a really good job. Like, um
2: yeah, yeah, a good batsman to have in the team as well, and, uh yeah. Um, family connections are something we see a lot of in local and club cricket. Where's your connection lie with St. Giles? Why, why are you and your brother ended up there?
0: Yeah, so I, I grew up playing at Granta, and then... um uh, I played county cricket with a guy, Will Phelps, whose who's dad, John Phelps, is quite involved with uh, uh, St Giles. And he was like uh, the manager of, of the county set up as I was growing up. So like, I, was, I was quite close to him. I think I got to about the age of like 16, 17 and then decided I wanted to move clubs. And like, uh, yeah, got in touch with John and, and, and wanted to do that and wanted to move to St Giles. And then, and then Seb followed suit about three or four years later, I suppose. And, and then, yeah, ended up captaining the team.
1: How is that relationship Come Saturday afternoon with you being in the team, him being captain, I'm sure other players chuck the two pennies worth in as well. Is that difficult? Do you clash on the field at all? Is it a pretty easy relationship? Is it good that you can bounce ideas off each other perhaps when you get home or or chat on the phone maybe in more detail than, than any other captain and player would? How does that relationship work?
0: i mean i think it's really good like when we're winning which like we have been a lot this year because it's like most teams like when you're winning a lot everything's positive and everyone's glued together really well um especially that start of the season when we struggled a bit and lost a couple games probably meant that like the match kind of went home with us a bit and i talked to him during the week and, and at various events that I, I met up with him but like overall it's been really good because it is someone that obviously i know very well i've been able to approach him so like, yeah, I can come and have a chat to him about who you can going to bowl next, what we're going to do. And yeah, it's, it's overall been really positive, to be honest. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's the first time I've been captained by my brother. It's been a slightly weird dynamic, but it's been good fun.
1: <laughs> but I also imagine as him being captain as well, he brings home lots of, again, poor example, because not this season, but as captain, you often bring home lots of baggage and thoughts about what you could have done differently if perhaps results aren't going your way. How do you how do you handle that sort of thing? What's What's your job in that relationship?
0: I mean, I've been guilty about like telling him what he should have done in things that like in <laughs> situations that probably could have gone better, which like, you know, Captain Hindsight coming in here isn't particularly helpful at times. But um, yeah, it's probably been me that's been guilty of that sometimes. Like, oh, we should have done this. We, we could do this next time. But like,
1: tough love. I, I
0: really think we've like learned from that a lot though this year. Like, uh, I think we've got a lot stronger as a side over the year. Um, and we just played much better cricket over the year so like i think we've definitely grown from mistakes that us as a team have made so yeah. yeah
1: yeah it certainly helps when you're winning and just lastly as a batsman how do you find dealing with the pressures the the strained mental strains when you're not scoring runs
0: yeah it's not fun um yeah that's a good question um i don't really know how to answer that like yeah it, it's not fun i suppose um Don't let it get too big on you, I suppose, and keep training. And I I find cricket's a funny game. So, like, I had a few games recently where I was getting like good balls, I was being a bit unlucky and getting bowled out and stuff, and not making many runs. And then most recently, like, I think I got like dropped twice and ended up making a big score. So I think don't get uh, too hung up on yourself. Like, uh, what goes around comes around.
1: Yeah, good advice. Good advice. Were both of you then involved in a campaign
2: such as this? Does that make it more more emotional, or are you more invested because of that family connection in terms of being successful?
0: Yeah, I think so. Like, I've been opening the batting with Seb this year as well, which that's always quite fun, just, like, batting with your brother is um, a good crack. And, uh, yeah, we've had a really good project this year in the sense that, like, our first team are in that Division One in the the Whiting League, and we really want to close the gap between the second team and, and the first team. So there's been, like, a really clear project this year of, like, get promoted, and then hopefully we can move up through those senior leagues, like, hopefully in the next few years, and then, like, close that gap between the first team and the second team, and... And, yeah, hopefully looking strong going forward.
1: Well, all the best for the final on, on the weekend. Ben, Rickley and Rambles themselves have had a pretty good campaign too in the South Division, 263 points. Next best is Triplo, with 223, played 16-1, 12, and only lost the two as well. So two sides, two very good sides going head-to-head on the weekend on Saturday in the Junior League Playoff Championship. Ben, you've got a big question for us. What is it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I suppose like, what, what what would you think about getting a free hits involved in Test cricket?
1: So, should we have free hits in Test cricket? I'm going to open it up into into slightly more local realms as well. Whether we should have free hits throughout the the divisions in Cambridgeshire, whether it be white ball and coloured clothing or red ball and whites. What do you reckon, Nathan? I
2: oh, know it's not been something that I'm very really- I've thought about it before, before Hammer's kind of came up with this tonight. I mean, I don't really see the harm in it. There's nothing, you know, test cricket is long enough as it is and people struggle with overrates. So there's any incentive to, further incentive to try and get those overrates down further. And you never know if, if somebody's leaving it and blocking it for two, three over straight and then they get an opportunity to whack it, it might be a bit more entertaining. I know there's a lot of traditionalists who are probably raging and shouting at their headsets as I say that, but I don't necessarily see an issue with it.
1: That's the that's the battle, isn't it? I guess going against tradition, going against the the grain. It'd be fun at local club cricket, wouldn't it? Ben?
0: I think it would. Like, yeah, I'd like to see it in more cricket. Like, hey, I'm a batsman, so like, obviously, I'd like to see oh, more that's of surprising. it. But... Me too, honestly.
1: <laughs> honestly.
0: <laughs> It, now it's something that I have found, as in like quite a lot of my friends um, who who aren't cricket fans that are massive fans of the hundred, and then just kind of have this passionate hatred of of Test cricket. And I think, as you said, like yeah, the purists probably wouldn't like it very much, but like I think it would probably get people that aren't sort of traditional cricket fans. It might just make it a bit more exciting. And yeah, I'd like to see it.
1: I don't know. I, I guess it's just like I said, going against the grain, the tradition. Would it not perhaps commercialise Test cricket a little bit more? I'm thinking of the aesthetics of it and. And you know, there's there's lots of people who like the the sound of lever on willow and the whites and the tradition of the game. Would you be perhaps maybe taking some of that away, Nathan? Just to play devil's advocate.
2: I don't see how it commercializes it necessarily. I mean, you know, when no one's asking for you to start playing Test cricket with coloured kit and pyrotechnics all the time. I just don't think it it really it would be that it would make that much of a difference. I mean, you do see a few no balls in Test cricket, but it's not the most common thing in the world, and there's anything that can that can add to some sort of entertainment and not that necessarily it needs it I mean the test series against India has been really has been fascinating and I've thoroughly enjoyed it so you know there definitely is the argument that if it ain't broke don't fix it but in the grand scheme of things I don't think something like a free hit would be would be all that big of a change and potentially it would make things a little bit more consistent and you know Ben mentioned before about his friends watching the 100 getting confused with things being different in in um in test cricket and maybe, maybe that is something that's going to happen is more and more people get into cricket from new audiences because of things like the 100 do they do they get a bit confused about the, the, the you know the lack of consistency between formats
1: the only thing i'd say to that is I, I don't get why cricket always feels the need to apologize for itself for being the way it is it's like we, we sort of we made these rules many moons ago and of course you have to adapt you always do we have done with, with t20 and and obviously more recently with the 100 and, and, of course, the whole Kerry Packer instance back in the 70s, I think, when the white ball and, uh, and coloured clothing really came to the fore. But, you know, just because people don't understand cricket doesn't mean that we can't explain it to them. I mean, there's lots of people who probably don't understand golf, but you don't you don't find them changing the scoreboard around. Or I'm sure there's some people who don't even understand football and, you know, they, they never change their, their rules. They don't put three goals on the pitch instead of two. Ben, with regards to, to local cricket, have you ever played in a match locally in terms of whether it be St Giles or elsewhere where free hits have been a a thing
0: yes yeah
1: how did did you find it how did the the players find it it's good fun
0: yeah I think it's good fun The, the only thing is it's a bit like punitive on the bowler though isn't it like it's already kind of a batsman's game in a way and then like yeah if they bowl a no ball and they get thumped for six which you know, normally probably would have been blocked back to them and um, that's a bit harsh but mm. I don't, I just think it's a bit entertaining I just thought it was quite like a, a funny idea to put forward that was basically I'd quite like to see Pajara block 50 balls in a row and then just <laughs> thump a six over <laughs> long on
1: That would be entertaining, it would be interesting to see how he takes it on Imagine Dom Sibley having to try and hit a six after getting bogged down for, for, for don- what feels like donkey's years
0: Yeah and I think in local cricket there's another question to ask about when does leg sidewise become a thing
1: we had Gary Ellis come on earlier on in the season and talk about should... I think it might even been his big question around whether wide should be re across all of Cambridgeshire cricket right down from Camden Hunt one to junior five.
0: Right, yeah, because you know, I find it very frustrating if someone just bowls a dot down <laughs> leg side that you can't hit, and then it's a good ball. And you're almost encouraging them to do that. I mean, no-one's encouraging anyone to do a no-ball, so that's both slightly different. Mm. But, but yeah, the whole, the whole way extras is played is interesting anyway and so i think when when do leg side become a thing whiting leagues
1: i think yeah it, it's debatable And even in our first team playing senior two i'm talking about blundersham and occasionally uh they'll play leg side i think it's generally agreed between the two captains but often they don't okay. in senior two but also because you, you'd be there a, a long while it's, it's a long day and, and and i think you just have to have yep. a bit of humble pie and admit that at that level and, and levels below players aren't as good and and good enough to consistently land six balls outside off stump or on fourth stump so it would be a long day if you did have leg side winds
0: yeah and it's a long game anyway (laughs) yeah yeah, that's a good
1: point yeah and again then you bring in youngsters into the team to develop them and they're chucking the ball down leg side all the time it becomes probably quite well not a great environment for them But uh, like you said, it's a a good good point, a good question, and one that's been discussed before and one that will probably get discussed lots and lots of times again. Ben, thanks for your time this evening, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, all the best on Saturday.
0: Yeah, thank you very much.
1: Thanks again to all the listeners for tuning in this evening and, of course, to our guests for coming on the show and the quizzes at the start, Tom Beaumont and... Graham Duff as well. Mark Smith coming on live from Source and Great to, to have him on. We will be back next week. The uh, last live show of the season, Tuesday, the 14th of September, 6 o'clock on Cambridge 105 Radio Steel. Plenty of local action, plenty of local matches to get our teeth into and tell you about. I'll be back next Tuesday at 6. Until then, have a very good rest of the week. Bye-bye.
5: Cambridge 105.